I'm told I don't introduce myself enough, so my name is Greg. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here, um, and I, I love I love my job. Um, I transitioned in September uh, to this role, and it was hard at first, uh, for sure. Um, and, and I'm pretty honest. If if you ask me how it was going, I I, I probably told you exactly how it was going. Um, and and uh, someone asked me this morning, so has it changed for you now that you love it? I'm like, no, I, I always. I felt confident that this is where God had me, um, and it's where I wanted to be, but it was hard. Um, but, but I stand before you today. Uh, I just I can't believe I get to do this. Really, uh, really grateful that, that I get to come and, and bring the word and, and be your pastor. So um, didn't plan on saying any of that, but uh, thank you. Um, thank you for, for letting me do this with you. So we're in John chapter 5 today. We're wrapping up this chapter, and... Um, <clears throat> I was telling Matt and Gary earlier this week, Pastor Gary, that I, in some ways I wish that, that we just had one mega sermon for all of John 5, but it would take like an hour and 45 minutes. I don't know. None of us could probably handle that. So, um, although in other countries they're doing that. But uh, there, there's, there's so much here. So I want to remind you, even before we read today's text, just what has happened in John 5. So John 5, Jesus comes at the beginning of the chapter, and he, he heals a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years. Uh, he, he, he shows the, the, the power that he has to heal, the life that he gives. And the Jewish leaders uh, are mad about this because he did this on the Sabbath. He felt that, they were bra- that, that Jesus was breaking the, the rules. Um, so it says they were, they were persecuting him over this. They're, they're pretty upset with Jesus. And then in, in verse 17, he, he explains, well, the Father's been working since sin came on the Sabbath. I've been working. We're not stopping working. And then verse 18, they're livid now. Right? They were persecuting before. Now they want to kill him because he has equated himself with God. And then last week we went through, and, and Jesus clarifies, yeah, I, I'm, I'm equal with God, but probably not in the ways that you think. Right? He, he wasn't some rival God that was trying to compete with God the Father, with Yahweh. He was saying, no, we're one. We're, we're united. I, I see what the Father does. I do those same things. When, when the Father speaks, I speak. You see me, you see him. You see him, you see me. Um, so, so we come today, to verses uh, 31 through 47. If you have your Bibles, um, let's, let's, read, let's read this together. You don't read it out loud. I'll just read it. Um, but follow along with me is what I'm trying to communicate. Not so clearly. All right. If I alone bear witness about myself... My testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. 
I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus, in, in verse 31, he says, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Right? He, he knows that, that these Jewish leaders, that they weren't going to just buy the, the testimony of Jesus. Though that was enough for the Samaritans, it was plenty for them to hear the testimony of Jesus and to believe. Uh, but he knew the hearts of men, as, as we keep coming back to that verse in, in chapter 2, that he knew the hearts of men. He knew that they needed more witnesses. Jesus knows what we need. And the testimony of, his, of a witness matters. I don't need to talk much about this. We know that, that testimony from a credible witness is huge. In, in a court case, testimony, solid testimony, can help either convict or acquit. If you're caught lying uh, on the stand, uh, perjury is a felony. Up to five years in prison you can get for, for lying. So uh, testimony that is credible is important. In verse 32 Jesus says, there's another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Verse 37, we find out that's, that's the Father that bears witness. So in this passage, we get three different witnesses that, that Jesus lays out. The first is John the Baptist, human testimony. Then Jesus says, even greater, the works that, that Jesus did, and I read someone that, that called this the empirical evidence um, of, of Jesus' life. Um, and then lastly, the scriptures testify, and Jesus says, this is the Father's testimony. He testifies through his word. Verse, verse 33 through 35 is John the Baptist's part. He says, you sent to John, and he's borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So they were, they were excited there was an excitement around John the Baptist and, and his witness, his testimony. Isaiah the prophet, he, he prophesied that there was going to be someone that was going to come and prepare the way of the Lord. And this was, this was John the Baptist. So John comes, he's baptizing, he's preaching. He's talking about the kingdom that is coming, that the Messiah is coming. And, and people are getting excited. They're coming in droves to hear from John, to be baptized by John. Um, hearts seem to be, to be softened to what God was doing. John bore witness when he saw Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And verse 35 describes John, and I love this description, as a burning and shining lamp. He was this bright, shining lamp that was pointing people to Jesus. He, he, the way he lived his life, the way he spoke, he pointed people to Jesus. Human testimony can have an impact. Human testimony, human witness can be very important. It wasn't enough for these Jewish leaders. They didn't believe. But human testimony, like, like a bright, shining, burning lamp, does matter. It can get people to take a closer look at Jesus. It can get people's hearts open to, to Jesus. And my guess is many of us, maybe everyone in the room, can think back to people in your life that you've known, whether it's up close or from afar, and they were a bright, sh shining lamp. 
They, they pointed you to Jesus. I, uh, I can think back uh, several godly men and women and, and the way they lived their lives. It made me want to know more about Jesus. I, I saw that they had life. I saw that, that some of them had peace in, in really hard circumstances. I, I saw this confidence, this, this faith, this trust that they had in, in God and his goodness. And I wanted to know Jesus the way they knew Jesus. And while they weren't the reason, ultimately, that I trusted Christ, these, these people in my life were a bright, shining lamp. They, they testified by their actions, by their words, by example to Christ. And God's made it this way. In, in his design, he, he's made it that, that the testimony of other people matter. Um, hardwired in each Christian is, is this, this reality that we're to shine. We're to shine brightly for Jesus. And you might think, well, I do a terrible job of that. Um, I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about you. Just kidding. <laughs> me too. Uh, you might think, like, man, I'm, I'm no good at that. Or, or maybe, maybe you realize, like, sometimes I'm great, and other times, honestly, I try and hide my light. Because I don't, for whatever reason, I'm embarrassed. Or I don't want people to think this or that about me. But, but Christian testimony is critical in helping people see Jesus. And sometimes it, it, might, be, it might be a relationship you're trying to be really, really intentional. Um, there are other times where you have no idea who's watching you. You have no idea what, what people, what you're testifying to in Jesus by people that are watching you. Matthew 5, 16 is a familiar verse. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? We know that this is, if you're a Christ follower, this is part of what we do. We are supposed to shine brightly for Jesus. So if John, the author of this gospel, was writing about you, how would he describe your light? Would he say it's bright? Is it burning? Is it, is it dim? Does your light flicker? Do you try and hide it? When, when are you a bright, shining lamp like John the Baptist? What are the circumstances when you don't shine bright, when you hide your light? We need to be quick to confess to the Lord our selfishness that holds us back, or, or when you're a coward, or when you're afraid of how those people will think of you. They, they'll think that you're dumb if you believe in Jesus. Maybe we're embarrassed. We have brothers and sisters around the world that that actually face like, violent persecution for following Jesus. My guess is none of us will, will probably ever have our life on the line. May, maybe someone will. But for many brothers and sisters around the world, them being a bright, shining light could cost them their life. Many people coming to know Jesus, it's, it's giving up jobs. It's, it's giving up relationships, being kicked out of the family, giving up possessions. For us, most of us at, at worst will be mocked. Maybe we'll lose some relationships. I was thinking back about my life and, and when, um, when I feel like I've been a bright light and when I've been dim. And, and thinking through the, the circumstances and even the emotions around that. And, and pretty much every time when my light's dim, it's because I've made life about me. I've made my circumstances about me. And, and, and when... When I've been a bright light, it's because I realize it's about Jesus. John the Baptist, in, in this book, uh, verse 30 of chapter 3, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. 
That would be a really good verse for you to commit to memory. He must increase, but I, I must decrease. So while human testimony has a use, Jesus says in verse 36, this, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Right? The works that, that Jesus does is, is greater than the testimony uh, of John the Baptist, which, which was God-ordained. Jesus' works were a clear manifestation to, uh, of God to the world. They testified that Jesus was from God, that Jesus was united with the Father, that Jesus was God in the flesh. In John chapter 9, there's a man, uh, he was born blind, healed by Jesus. Uh, he's questioned by the, the religious leaders. Um, and, and in verse 30, this is the second time they question him. Uh, and they, they said, where's, where's this man from? Speaking of Jesus, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opens eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So to this man that was born blind and healed by Jesus, the, the work of this miracle, it, it testified to him. He knew hey, this only works if this guy's from God, if Jesus is from God. So Jesus' very works testified what he taught, the miracles that he did. Uh, I briefly shared about uh, John chapter 11, Lazarus. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He'd been in the grave four days, and, and by his voice, he commanded him to come to life, and, and it pointed to the power that Jesus has over death, over life. Certainly, the death and resurrection of Jesus is, is what the Christian faith hinges on. That work is a testimony to Jesus. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're all fools. We, we, we believe that he did this, and, and, and without it, Jesus would have, he would have died. If he didn't raise from the dead, we'd have no evidence that, that his death really did atone for our sins. We needed the resurrection to happen. So Jesus says, the very works that I do bear witness about me that the Father, he has sent me. Verse 37 and 38. He says, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard. His form you've never seen. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who sent him. So there, there's a movie. I'm sorry, I'm so parched. So I'm not my water bottle. There's a movie called Sandlot. I don't know if you remember that movie. Um, it's a good flick. I was going to show you this particular scene. I viewed it on YouTube, and I realized I cannot show that at church. Um, so I, I can't vouch for the whole movie. I remember really liking it, and then I realized there's no way in the world if I like my job that I'll show that movie. Um, so I'm going to give you the, the G version. Uh, so uh, Sandlot, if you don't know, neighborhood boys, uh, that loved baseball, right? And there's this, there's this uh, vacant lot that at some point someone turned it into uh, a cheap version of a baseball field, right? Like a dirt path. I don't even think they had bases. I believe they had a little fence behind them to serve as a backstop. But it's just these boys, and all summer they live to go play pickup baseball together. So they all gathered at their time, and, and 
only one of them can play ball. Like the rest of them are just scrubs, okay? One kid, Rodriguez, he's legit. And everyone else is just kind of okay. Um, so they gather, they're excited to play ball that day, and then in come riding these pompous guys that are on a real baseball team, okay? And they've got their uniforms, they, they look sharp, they actually look like athletes. They come up, and, uh, and then the Sandlot boys see that they're there, and they're like livid right away, and they all take their mitts and throw them down in defiance, and then march out like as a unit to confront the baseball guys on their bikes. And then one, one, of, the, one of the guys from the real baseball team kind of emerges as the leader and he starts talking trash and then if you remember in the movie the chubby catcher like he steps up hat backwards and he's hurling insults back at this other guy and and one guy would hurl an insult and 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 his guys would be like yeah that's awesome you got him you told him he smells right or whatever um, they're worse than that um and, and it goes back and forth and back and forth and, and then finally um the, uh, the kid from the real baseball team says something like, you, you're not worthy to lick the dust off my cleats or something along those lines. And then the chubby kid looks at him and he goes, you play ball like a girl. And, and the, the kid from the real baseball team is like blown away. He goes, wait, what did you say? Right? And his whole, all his teammates are like, Right? And, and then what's crazy, though, is you look at the Sandlot kids, and they're like, I can't believe he just said that. Oh, my goodness. And it, it's a super funny scene. But he, he questions everything about, to this kid, everything in his world. And, and with Jesus here in 37, 38, he absolutely nails them at the core of who they are. He says, you haven't heard his voice you haven't seen his form. You're here of Moses. Moses did. And then he says, you don't have God's word abiding in you. Right? Jesus, Jesus took these Jewish leaders and the thing that they're maybe most proud of, how, how they knew and followed the scriptures. They were dedicated to knowing the scriptures. And, and, and he shakes the very foundations of, of who they are. And, and, and we'll go on here, but I want to pause for a moment. I just want to ask you, what do you do when, when Jesus challenges how you think and, and how you live? Because this, this happens. If you're a Christ follower, this happens. And, and how we respond is incredibly important. The Bible does this to us. It, it rattles us. If you, if you look at all of Scripture, if we read this whole book, you're going to be rattled. You're going to come eye to eye with truth that you do not agree with, right? Truth that you do not like. What do you do? What do you do when you come face to face with, with, with something you're not comfortable with? What do you do when you've got to think through this thing that you were either taught or you adopted as truth and you realize, man, Jesus says something really different than that. We've got to keep going but I hope that you let Jesus shake you to your core. I, I hope that you hold tightly onto the things that Jesus says to hold tightly onto you and anything else you're ready to let go for him. So Jesus challenged them. He, he says, you haven't heard his voice. You haven't seen his form like Moses. The, the passage last week was, was really clear. Jesus says, hey, when I'm speaking, it, it, it's, it's the same as God speaking. He says, if you knew God, you would, you'd recognize me. If you knew the voice of God, You'd see that the one speaking to you is from God. If they were true followers of Moses, Jesus says, they would know that Jesus is from God. 
they don't. And late in the passage, he says, and Moses is going to be the one who accuses you because he wrote about me. Verse 38, so it says, you don't have God's word abiding in you. And, and, and uh, so these men knew the scriptures, and the, this is the Old Testament, right? Um, if you were at Matt Q's class last week, um, Old Testament, a.k.a. Hebrew Bible, which, quick plug, uh, tonight, class is happening, right? Um, so if you, if you didn't go last week, I don't want to say you blew it. That was what I was going to say. I'm going to say instead you missed out, right? That's way softer. Um, you should go. Totally serious. I knew the information would be good. What I didn't know is, is how good Matt would do at teaching us in that information. So if you missed it, it's on our website. You can listen. If you can come tonight, you should make it. Live is always better. Um, we'll record this one too, and, and it'll be fine to hear it that way. But really, really good stuff. And, and I think what you'll walk away with is confidence in, in, that, that we have God's word. Right? We're talking today about, about God's word testifying to us, and, and, and I looked at an article just yesterday from Newsweek, um, somewhat recently, that just said, oh, you can't believe anything from the Bible. There's so much that's happened. So come tonight, right? Not even so that you can defend God's word to other people, but so you can defend it to yourself, so you can defend it to your heart and mind. So commercial done there. Um, but th these men, they've been told, you don't have God's word abiding in you, okay? So Jewish kids, right, by the age of 12, a lot of them had the first five books of the Bible memorized, okay? This is, and this is like the C-level student, okay? B-level student, right? Ages 13 to 15, they memorized the whole Testament, which is crazy to me. And then I didn't even want to read what A-level did. They, those are the guys that became rabbis. But, but these men, they knew, they knew God's word, right? They could spout off God's word. They, they knew Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. Psalm 119.11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. They knew, they knew this stuff, and yet he says, you don't have God's word abiding in you. Why? Because you don't believe in the one whom he has sent. You, you don't see me. I went to my brother's wedding uh, several years ago in California. He'd moved. Um, I met his bride, but, but I hadn't met any of his other friends. And I show up um, to the wedding a, a little bit early to help out this woman. I think she was like the wedding coordinator. She, she walks up. I didn't get a chance to introduce myself yet. And she said, you must be Brad's brother. And I don't feel like I look anything like my brother. He's, he's a little bit shorter than me. He's way thinner than me. Uh, our hair color is different. Like I feel like our face, everything's different. I'm um, like, how do you know that? I'm not wearing a name tag. And she said, your eyes, like you have the same eyes. And she's totally right. Like the shape of our eyes, like it's goose tree eyes. That's just, that is how it is. Sorry to my kids. Um, but, but Jesus is saying, if you knew God, you would, you would recognize God, right? This woman knew my brother, and instantly, just by seeing my eyes, she knew that I had to be a, a goose tree. These men, they, they, they searched the scriptures, as, as verse 39 says. They, they diligently studied. They were obsessed with knowing God's word. They memorized it. They meditated on it. They debated. They taught it. They had rules to clarify the commandments. They memorized those rules, followed those rules. And yet with all their searching, all their studying, they missed the revelation of who Jesus is. They, they missed Jesus. Jesus said they didn't have the word abiding in them, and he knows that because it all points to Jesus. 
He said, you, you search the scriptures, you think you have eternal life, and yet you don't believe the one who he sent. You, you miss that it all points to me. Um, so back, I think this is the early 90s, there's a thing called a stereogram. And I think we have an example of one up here. You might remember this. It's the weird picture, Sarah. On there, Yeah, there you go. So um, these were like all over the mall. I don't know how many people remember these, but they looked like just this weird picture like, oh, that's some, I don't even know how to classify that, some kind of weird art. But the thing was that if you stare at it, there's a, there's a 3D image that like jumps out at you, right? And, and the trick, I think it's called parallel viewing. That's what I read. And it took me forever as a kid to like figure out how to do this. And you can try if you want. I've, I stared at this for a long time this morning. I couldn't get it. Supposedly there's a gorilla that jumps out at you. But anyway, you'd, you'd stare at it. Um, and actually, let's take it down. <laughs> so nobody stares at it anymore. You'd, you'd stare at it. And, and then eventually the, you'd see this image. But you looked at it and, and it just looked like a bunch of not random colors, but colors kind of in a pattern, but, but it looked all the same. And then when, it, when you finally saw it, you're like, oh my goodness, that is incredible. But the worst was being the guy that stared and stared and stared, and his buddies all get it, right? And he's like, man, do I just say I can see it? What do I do? And I had so much pride. I'm like, no, I'm going to get this thing. And then finally, I, I finally got it at the mall, and I bought that one and <laughs> took it home. Um, but, man, he's saying, you stared, you searched at the scriptures, and yet you don't see me. I'm there, and you don't see me. Verse 40 says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Earlier, Jesus said that human testimony wasn't good enough, and he's indirectly saying that, that this testimony, the testimony of the Word, this isn't human testimony. This is divine. This book isn't just a human book. Yes, the Holy Spirit used human authors to write the book, to inspire, but this is a divine book. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this book is different than every other book, that, that, that God's Word is living and active, that it, that it can pierce right into us. So Jesus says, while Moses wrote what he wrote, it was the Father's testimony about me. It's possible to know God's word and yet completely miss God, to completely miss the revelation of Jesus. And that's a scary thought, that you can have the absolutely correct view of Scripture. You can believe the right things about what God's word is and yet not have the correct use of Scripture that you could diligently read. You can learn the original language. You can memorize sections. You could, you, could, you could teach, and yet he's telling you, you missed me. You, you missed me in all of this. I think one way that this can happen, and there's probably many ways, but just one way that this happens is when we make our Bible reading a checklist item. All right, when, when we know we should, we should read the Bible, we know we should read it regularly. Maybe some of you are doing the Bible read-through with me. I hope, I hope a lot of you are. Uh, we, we know we should do that, um, but, it, but it, it really becomes the equivalent to, to your, your work checklist or your honey-do checklist. We're so good at, at making following Jesus just a list of things that, that we check off, that we go to church, that, that we are in a Bible study. The, that we do the Bible read through, that you know, fill in the blank, that I serve every Wednesday, or that I'm usher, I'm a greeter. And, and, and by doing this, we feel better about ourselves. 
sometimes we, we fool ourselves into thinking that this makes us right with God, or maybe that even God owes us, that if we do godly type things, we'll, we'll have eternal life. And I, I fall into this. I think we all probably do, but, but I fall into this. I, I'll read my, my passage and my Bible, read through, and, and I'll finish it, and I recognize I don't really remember what I just read. And yet somehow if I hit complete, I feel a little bit better about myself. Obviously, following Jesus isn't isn't a checklist, and obviously, I'm not saying don't read your Bibles. I'm not saying don't don't diligently study, don't don't meditate on God's Word. We need God's Word. We we need to see God in His Word. This is where we meet with God. This is this is how God reveals Himself to us. Jesus is saying the best witness God has given you of me is His Word. Don't miss me in it. Don't miss me in it. There's a handful of places, well, uh, there's a ton of places, sorry. I'm going to take you through a handful of places and, and look at how Jesus and the New Testament authors uh, use uh, the Old Testament. Uh, Luke 24, I think we'll have this on the screen. Um, Jesus on the road to Emmaus after he's risen from the dead. Um, oh, is there another one there? 24 verses uh, 25 through 27? Perhaps not. I'll read those to you. And we'll get to that one in a moment. Uh, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then this one is, is, is similar. Um, it says, Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So if you went to Matt Q's thing last week, he, I think he showed us this very verse. Yeah. And what, what, is it, what does it tell us when it says the law, the prophets, and the Psalms? I'm actually asking for participation here. If you went last week. Yeah, all the Hebrew Bible, right? The, the law of Moses, right? The, the, the law, the, the, uh, the Pentateuch, the prophets representing the, the major and minor prophets, the Psalms. Matt told us is like code for all the, the writings was this, this bigger category that kind of lumped a bunch in. So Jesus is saying, all this is about me. Um, Matthew 27, 46, Jesus dying on the cross he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is a quote from Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the, uh, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Mark 14, verse 20 and 21. This is talking about Judas. Jesus is talking about Judas who will betray him. He says, uh, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. And then this is from, um, this is from Psalm 41.9. You can see it's not an exact quote, but he says, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And we could go on and on and on. I had others from Deuteronomy and Acts and, and Hebrews and the Psalms. But over and over again, the New Testament writers, Jesus himself quotes so much scripture. Jesus believed that the Old Testament was critical in seeing him. So why do so many churchgoers not think the Old Testament is important? And, and I don't, I mean, I, I know I grew up really thinking that way. 
right? That, that the Old Testament didn't matter as much um, as the New Testament, because the New Testament was about Jesus. I mean, I think that's probably what I thought. Um, and yet we look, right? <laughs> this is the Old Testament. Jesus gave us a lot of stuff that doesn't matter, if that's true, right? Jesus gave us a ton. Obviously, I'm being facetious there. Uh, the Old Testament matters, and Jesus tells us why. He says, man, I, God revealed me. I'm revealed through the Old Testament. Um, there's an interesting part in, in John chapter 12, and I think I have time, so I'm going to go there. Um, John 12, this won't be on the screen, but John, um, the author of this book, he's quoting Isaiah 6, which is probably a familiar passage to you. Uh, it starts off in the, in the year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. It talks about the, the, the train of, of, of his robe filling the temple with glory. Uh, the whole thing with uh, Isaiah saying, woe is me. Uh, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. The angel flies over, gets his, uh, his lips with, with the coal and purifies him. So he, he, he quotes some of that in, in, in chapter 12 here. And then verse 41 Isaiah, or John says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. And, and John's talking about Jesus here. He said, he saw his glory and, and spoke of him. When, when, when God's glory is, is revealed in the Old Testament, it, it, it's pointing to Jesus. When, when God is revealed, Jesus is revealed God, we're being shown Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And we come to verse 40, though, in this passage. And Jesus says, And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. You, you refuse to come to me. You won't, you won't come to me. You claim to know God, but you don't, you don't realize that, that I'm from God. You won't receive me. He says, if someone else comes in their own name, you'll receive that clown, right? That guy who butters you up. He, he flatters you. He, he tickles your ears with the words you want to hear. You'll receive that guy but you're just out for your own glory. John 12, 43 says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Right? They're making everything about themselves, not about God. They, they just want a glory for themselves. What a bunch of weirdos. We would never be that way, huh? <laughs> right? We would never want the glory that, that is, is due to God. Verse 45, do not think that I'll accuse you to the Father. There's one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe these words? Jesus tells him, your, your, your hero Moses, he wrote about me. And, and if you don't receive me, he's the one who will accuse you. So we have the, the, these witnesses that, that God has given us. He's given us, he's given us people in life that point us to Jesus. He's given us evidence at the works that Jesus has done. We live in an age where we can look into so much of the facts about Jesus, about his life. It is so easy to search, uh, even with just free tools that are out there. We, we can search the evidence that testifies. But lastly, we have God's word. So what is your attitude towards Scripture? What, what is your attitude towards Scripture? And, and even specifically the New Testament, but, or the Old Testament, but, but all of Scripture do you, do you 
Do you know that you actually need God's word, that the Holy Spirit works through God's word, and that's, that's, how, you, that's how you see God, that's how God reveals himself to you. Jesus says, it, it testifies, it testifies to me. And, and I get, in the Old Testament, I get that there's some places that are really confusing. I'm always jealous of, of the person, the Christian that can read the prophetic literature and things are just popping off the page to him because I'm always just struggling. I mean, it's getting better and better the more I'm in the prophets. Bible read through people, we're in the prophets right now, right? And, and, and as, as, as I see the, the minor prophets in particular, like as a whole unit instead of little individual books, like I understand more and more, but, but man, it's always been hard work. And I don't know if you feel that way, that when you read the Bible, it's confusing and it's hard work. If you do, I actually think you're in a great place because you realize that you need help, right? That, that, that these words aren't jumping off the page to you. You need the Holy Spirit to, to help you. If you feel humbled by God's word, maybe even a little frustrated, I actually think you, you're on the on-ramp. You just need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to help you wrestle with Scripture. Um, Jesus told uh, his disciples the Holy Spirit would be their guide. He'd teach them. He'd illuminate God's Word. He'd remind them of what Jesus had said. So, so don't get in the habit of, uh, of just starting to read God's Word without asking the Holy Spirit to help you. I, I think we need to do that every single time. Holy Spirit, will you be my teacher? Will you help me? Because I just don't see this stuff on my own. I need you. Lord, to show me who you are through your word, because God's word bears witness to us about Jesus. It, it, it reminds us of, of who God is and, and what our need is, that, that we actually needed Jesus to die for our sins, that we need God by his grace to save us. We're, we're going to have our prayer team out in the back here as, uh, as we sing some songs, and um, you can go back for prayer for anything at all. Um, each week, I'm trying to give you like a couple things that I've been praying about for you as, as I've been getting ready for the sermon. So w one thing you might want to go back for prayer for is, is you recognize that um, you're just really not burning that brightly for Jesus. Or, or there are situations or relationships where, where you, you want to hide that light. Man, go, go back and, and, and confess that and, and pray um, with someone on our prayer team. Another thing is maybe it's hard for you to believe. Maybe, maybe like uh, these Jewish leaders in, in verse 40, Jesus says, yet you refuse to come. Maybe there's something that, that's holding you back and, and you want to receive prayer for that. And the last one is maybe you've really made reading the Bible or, or, or maybe all of your Jesus following into a checklist. It, it is just rote and, and you're just going through the motions. Man, there's so much more to following Jesus. There's actually life in following Jesus. And when you, when you follow Jesus like it's a checklist, I guarantee you're not experiencing the life that he has for you. We're also gonna take communion during these songs and I invite you to come up, dip the bread in the cup. You can take it as soon as you want. There's confusion about that last week. I think everyone was like waiting for me and all of a sudden I took it on my own without telling you guys. Um, so this week, uh, come. Uh, we have the bread representing Christ's body broken for us, the cup representing the blood that's been shed for us, the, the blood that was necessary to pay for our sins. Let's come and celebrate. If you know Jesus, let's participate in this meal together as these songs, as we sing these songs. So I'll pray. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for uh, your word. Lord, I thank you, Father, that, that you testify about the Son to us through your word. And God, we confess that, that our view of Scripture probably isn't high enough. 
Even if there's a lot of things about Scripture that we believe correctly, we confess that our use of Scripture probably falls really short. God, will you, will you help my brothers and sisters that, that, that are reading the Word? It's just, it feels so hard for them. God, will you help them to persevere? Will you help them to wrestle? Like Jacob, God, would they wrestle until you bless them, Lord? Would you do that, God? Would you open up your Word to us, God? Not so that we can just know a ton about this book, but, but God, so we can actually know you. Jesus, that's what we want. I pray for all my friends doing the Bible read-through. Um, Lord, would it not just be a checklist item? God, if they need to even just stop and go at their own pace so they don't make it, this, this checklist thing, God, would you, would you help them to do that? Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.